2: Can the Tampa Bay Lightning dig out of a 2-0 hole in their series with the Capitals, or have we seen the last hockey game at Emily Arena this year? A guy who's always optimistic, Tom Jones, the columnist of the Tampa Bay Times, is going to join us from D.C. You won't want to miss what he has to say. Meanwhile, the Tampa Bay Rays, they went 2-1 in Kansas City, but not without some ninth-inning drama. And a Supreme Court ruling that struck down a law against sports gambling could change the NFL, the NBA, Major League Baseball, and college sports, all the pro teams as well, will tell you what all that could mean. All that and more in this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud with the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Verstic. And before we get started, I want to tell you about an offer from Audible.com. Sign up now and get a free 30-day trial. That's a fifteen-dollar value. And as a listener to this podcast, you get a free audiobook. Just go to audibletrial.com/sportsday. That's spelled A-U-D-I-B-L-E. Trial.com slash sports day for a free 30-day trial and a free audiobook. Tom Jones is in Washington for game three of the Eastern Conference final. The Lightning trail two games to none, and Tom joins us now. So how much trouble are the Bolts in at this point, Tommy?
0: <laughs> I'm not how big, how big is trouble? It's, it's as big as <laughs> they can get. I mean, we've seen teams fall down two long before. The Lightning actually have done this before. They've fallen down two games to none and at home and then gone on and won the series, and also happened to be against the Washington Capitals. Problem was, it was 15 years ago. None of those guys were on the on this team now. So, uh, look, I think they're in bad trouble. And the, and the thing is, Rick, and you've watched these two games, even after they lost game one to Boston, and I even wrote a column saying, hey, it wasn't that bad. They actually played okay. Um, and you had a feeling they were going to get better. I, there's nothing I can really look at in these first two games against the Cap that that you can hang your hat on and say, okay, then, well, this is going to get better or that's going to get better. I think they'll play better, but my concern for the Lightning is it's not it's, looks Lightning has to play well, off, don't get me wrong, but Washington's been really good, and that would be the thing that concerns me is that they're playing a team that's way better than, than the Bruins. I, I never thought I'd say that, and it, it looks like a team that, that's on a mission right now. That, that's big. That's why they're in major trouble at this point.
2: Yeah, and it's uh, it's been you know one of those deals, almost the reverse of the Boston series, where the Lightning dominated five on five. In this series, the Caps have dominated five on five. I think the Lightning only have one goal um, that that has come with full strength. So, uh, are are the matchups not good? And particularly, what would Cooper do now to try to slow down um, the Alex Ovechkin line?
0: I don't know, I, and that's the problem. I, we uh, you know we asked them after. Uh, after game two, and actually we asked him on uh, on the off date between games two and three, okay, what do you do now? Like, How did you get here? And he said, look, if I knew how we be gone here, we wouldn't be down 0-2 right now, which leads me to think, like, they don't know. They don't have an answer at this point. I mean, you can mm-hmm. switch up people. You can try different people on, on different lines. Um, you can try this, different defensive pairings against the Ovechkin, but uh, th- the problem is, like, everybody's killing Like, I hours the killing them? They, they don't even have factions, but Nick's faction plays Nick, play them playing in this series, and he's clearly their second-best player after Alexander Ovechkin. So that's that's where the trouble is. I mean, they're getting contributions from guys on the on the third and fourth line. Uh, talking to Cooper before the series, and I said, boy, I, I think you'll have a, you know, I said something like, you'll have a much easier time with Washington and Boston. And he looked at me like I had frogs coming out of my ears. He's like, this team <laughs> is so much better than Boston, he told me. This is just in a regular conversation. And he also told me that they remind – him of the lightning that they feel like it's you know it's a similar type team they have superstars up top on the top line like Stan and uh and um uh future office sort of similar to ovechkin and backstrom but he said so, look you look at their second line their third line their fourth line all those guys can play and their defense is way better than they're giving credit for so that's the thing like i keep going back to it rick like this washington seems like way better than i think maybe we gave him credit for being and that's the problem they're running into right now. I, I, quite frankly, I just think Washington's been a better team in the first two games.
2: All right, so uh, of the way that they've played these first two games, has it been more of a, of a disappointing from a defensive side or from the fact that um, they're just not throwing enough pucks on the net? I know you know you hear Phil Esposito, and we've seen them turn down some shots, particularly in game one. Uh, where are they more deficient, on the offense or the defensive side?
0: I think on on defense right now that's that's the area I'd be most concerned about. I mean, they've given up ten goals in two games, and right. uh, and Washington probably could have had more. As you know, as as much as we're starting to question Vasilevsky now and whether he, you know has he fallen back into his doldrums hand at the end of the season, he actually made a lot a bunch of really good saves. I thought in Game too. that game could have really gotten out of hand. Uh, so I would think that uh, defensively, they're giving way too much. I think they're giving way too much respect to some of these guys. Uh, you see Ovechkin coming into the zone and uh, guys like Oshie coming in, they're really backing off. And, and I don't know if it's because they're surprised by Washington's speed or whatever the case may be. I just think they're not looking like the team that we saw in the Boston series. Even when they were getting lit up a little bit by the March on, uh bergeron uh, passing that yep. line in that second-round series, um, you could tell that there were, there were moments where they were, uh, starting to pick it up defensively, and brain Point was starting to get his confidence against those guys. Now they're, they're just they're just backing off so much. And look, Rick, they're just giving up these awful goals at the end of periods, power play goals. You know, you, we we saw what happened in Game One where they give up a yep. goal that goes from one nothing to two nothing at the end of the first period. That's a huge that's a huge swing. And then we saw in Game Two at the end of the second period, and that game was it looked like you are heading the third period two two, and you're thinking, okay, good shape, we'll play a really strong period. Come out of here with a win. We go back to Washington tied at one game apiece, and all of a sudden they score two goals in the last 60 some seconds. The one last one coming in the the final few seconds. Those are killing. Those are backbreakers. Those things that you normally don't see from from a Lightning team. At least we haven't seen it, you know, in the playoffs up until now.
2: So their confidence would naturally take a hit after two games like that. But the Capitals have a, a little mojo that's not so good on their side, and that is that they've never been able to handle prosperity. I mean, I think that their fans <laughs> as confident as they might be, uh, going to Washington up 2 Oh, probably are going to be a little squirmy because, you know, is, is there, is, is there anything the lightning can take advantage of the Capitals' history?
0: I think so. I think, I mean, that's the one thing you have going for it right now is that Washington has a history of not being able to close out these type of deals. Uh, it's interesting too that the Lightning also is using the Capitals as an example. The Capitals lost the first two games at home in the first round of these playoffs, right. came back to beat Columbus, and they used an overtime goal in in Game Three to do it. I would expect the Lightning uh, to to actually have a pretty good first period uh, in Game Three. I I could see Washington maybe being a a little a little jittery, a little too amped up, a little too. Uh, I won't say nervous, but just like, I mean, they certainly feel like they're going to win this series now. And the capital fans, it's a lot, it can get to be a lot of building. I think there's going to be a lot of pressure on the caps to, to win games. And I actually expect that the Lightning is going to play well in games. Will they play well enough to win? I don't know. But cause it certainly feels like it's heading down a bad road here for the Lightning. Um, here's the other thing, Rick. I don't know if you've gotten into this at all. I don't know, and you and know that you're getting about this. I'm stunned at the number of people who are like after two games are like, this is John Cooper's fault. I don't know if they can win a Stanley Cup with this guy. I mean, all of a sudden, some heat on John Cooper. I don't not internally, but externally. I think there's some heat. It'll be interesting to see how they handle it. I, I'm quite frankly surprised by it. I, I still think he's a really good coach. I, I wouldn't make a change even if they got swept. But it's, you know, the Tanji Cooper comparisons are starting to come about. I don't know if you've gotten into well, that
2: or not. Well, we talked about it on the podcast last night. In fact, I brought that up. I mean, and I would just play devil's advocate with you a little bit. Um, yeah, two games ago, there was no talk about John Cooper externally. Do we really know what Steve, Steve Eisenman is thinking? Um, you know, look, this is a team that's gone now to the to the uh, Eastern Conference Finals three times in four years, won Stanley Cup, didn't win it. Um you know, do, doesn't it get to a point where you're Andy Reid or you're, you're a guy that, that may or may not be able to get them over the hump, if, if like, say, especially if they were swept in this series?
0: I would, I would argue this, back. Uh, two things. One, when we talk about Tony Dungy, let's just use the Dungy comparison. When you talk about Tony and you were there, Rick, for the whole thing, um, not only there was more to the Dungy thing than, a well, Dungy can't get him over the top. They thought they had another guy who could get him over the top. And that guy was Bill Parcells. They had a deal. As you know, Rick, you reported on this. They had a deal done with Bill Parcells. They thought, we're better off moving forward with Bill Parcells than we are with Tony Dungy. Bill Parcells gets a better chance. Of course, as you know, Parcells bills falls apart, and they, they sort of not luck their way in, but they had to give up a lot to get John Gruden. It all turned out great. I would make the argument here that, hey, I'm all for listening to any conversations about John Cooper if you can tell me who the Bill Parcells is that you're going to replace him with. In other words, is there somebody out there who's better? John Cooper. I'm not sure there is. The other argument that I would make in favor of Cooper is you go back to 2015, they lose a six game series in the finals to the Chicago Blackhawks, who, when I look back, quite frankly, that's a better team. The Blackhawks were a better team than the Lightning. They won multiple cups and they played much of that series with an injured Ben Bishop, an injured Tyler Johnson, and Steven Santos disappeared in that series. Then you come back the next year. 2016, you get to the Eastern Conference Final, you lose in Game 7 to another team that went on to win the Stanley Cup, and has also won multiple Cups. And they played that series without Ben Bishop for the most part, and without Steve Sampson for the most part, and without Anton Schaulman for the most part. So I make the argument that, and if you lose now to the Capitals, you may be losing to another team that's going to win the Stanley Cup. So, I mean, you could you could make a really good case for he has coached the second-best team in the NHL this year. You know, it's not it's not that they're they're losing the teams that they shouldn't lose to. They're losing the teams that that win Stanley Cups, not only one Stanley Cup, multiple Stanley Cups. So that would be well. The well argument I, would I mean, I guess know, I I get
2: that argument, but the but the reverse of that is that, uh, you know, maybe, you know, maybe the Philadelphia Eagles at the time were better than the Bucks, you know, um, and you know, but for whatever reason, the Bucks couldn't go, or the St. Louis Rams were better than the Bucks. They went on and won the Super right. Bowl too. It did. It didn't. In other words. Yeah, the, you know, the Glazers and, and the, the comparison might fall down because, one, Tony never got to a Super Bowl. Cooper did, and he lost to a, a very good Blackhawks team. Um, but but the other thing is, you know, that, I mean, I don't know. Do we know that Eisenman doesn't have somebody in mind? Like, for example, the guy that's coaching in his own minor league system. It um, could. I mean, look,
0: it could be. Like, I, I was surprised when Eisman made the move on Boucher. I mean, I, I when he fired Hugh Boucher, I thought it was a quick trigger, you know. Right. They made I, it and, to the Eastern and Conference and, Final. Yeah. Right. Right. And and then all of a sudden I had a bad season, and and um and so I was kind of surprised. I was, here's the thing: nobody really knows. Steve Eisner keeps his cards pretty close to the chest. Oh yeah. He, he's not someone who's who's real uh, real vocal. I, I don't. But he's going to make his own decision now, There's been talk a while does he get along with does Cooper get along with Santos and blah blah blah. I'm not sure that that ever would play into Steve Osment's, uh thinking in terms of whether he should fire a coach or not. You're right. Look, you make a good point, Rick. Like, I, I don't know what Steve Osment's thinking in the past, whenever I sort of floated the idea like last year, there was some talk about it. And he almost like dismissed me. Like, what are you like? I didn't like, I'd never, I don't know what I'm talking about. Sort of he, he sort of has that sort of reaction. Although I think he would say that no matter what, he's not going to sit there and say, yeah, well, I'm thinking about it. You know? <laughs> um, so, if you're thinking about it, it's possible. I'd be surprised. Now, if they go out and they get hammered in these next two games, it, all of a sudden it's, it's different than losing in Game 7 to the Penguins in Pittsburgh by the score of 2-1, or it's different than losing in six games in the Stanley Cup Finals. If you get beat by a team that technically you had home ice advantage, you had a better record than Washington, and you get swept by him, then certainly I think there would probably be... I, I can understand the question. I, I don't agree with it. I wouldn't fire a guy, but would... would would Steve Eiserman be negligent if he didn't at least think about it? Probably. Yeah, I mean it's something you would have to at least consider, even if it was for just a minute or two.
2: Yeah, I mean team team with the best record um, in in the Eastern Conference, if not hockey, and loses to you know losing to a team that they at least handled okay during the regular season. We'll see what happens. Okay, so what are what are the keys now? If if the Lightning were to get one of these games, let's say let's say this one, let's say Game Three, somehow the Lightning rises up fluke or not they somehow managed to win this game and they know they're going to bring it back to Tampa Bay do you think this 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 series then will extend itself to possibly six or maybe even the seventh game
0: yeah I I mean it's really it's one of those things that it's hard to imagine right now them winning four out of five after what we saw the first two games Um, but at the same time I will say that they don't have to win four out of five right now. They just have to win one. And so if you win one, all of a sudden you get your confidence back a little bit and you start to put some doubt back into Washington's mind. Washington has zero, really zero adversity through these first two games. They and and rightfully so, look they they fighting hasn't earned any breaks, um and Washington hasn't hasn't uh has never been in a position where really a break can hurt them. They had, you know, they had a couple of bad calls go against them. I thought in in the first period, but it was first period. and They were able to rally quickly from that. So um, things right now are going as smooth as can be for the Washington Capitals. If if you can steal one in Washington, yeah. and, and particularly Game Three, then all of a sudden mm-hmm. it becomes a, a much different series. But well, I don't know, Rick. You've watched these first two games. It's just it, it's not as if you can say, well, if they could just fix this little thing. They'll be okay. They're not playing well defensively. They're not playing well in goal. They're not playing. You know, they're not. They're not generating enough offense. The penalty killing is no good. They're losing the important faceoffs in their own zone. It's, there's no one area where I could say, "Well, they can just tidy that up. They'll be in good shape." Uh, it's just, it just does They look like two different teams right now. They look like they don't look. The Lightning looks nothing like they did the first two rounds, and the Capitals look like a way better team at this point.
2: Well, and that, that might be the best thing you can say is that the capitals can't play much better the lightning certainly couldn't play much worse so um, perhaps those two things balance themselves out at some point um, I want before we move on uh, and, and uh, again you know you of course will have the report in Tampa Bay.com and, and then tonight um, with game three from Washington I wanted to ask you about some comments um, on another front that uh, you know former Rays, really iconic third baseman uh, Evan Longoria made uh, and he made them to to Mark Tompkin when he was in Philadelphia during a series against the Phillies that you know and i 'm paraphrasing here Longo said something to the effect that you know what maybe maybe it's better that if the Rays move that that the, perhaps it's not going to work there uh, there meaning I guess Tampa Bay or, or you know, I would assume right. that's that's what he's talking about, and not just the trop because obviously they're talking about stadium over in Tampa um. What would you make of those? And and is that, I mean, is that something that that Tampa Bay fans should, you know, should fracture their relationship a little bit with Evan Longoria, considering that, you know, for years and years, you know, he was the ambassador of this baseball team?
0: Well, here's the thing. Okay, so a couple weeks ago I picked the the Boston Bruins to to win that series against the Lightning and just got killed. You know, people on social media were killing me. I got nasty emails. And so I was – two seconds away from retweeting Mark's story the other day and saying, Longoria says the team should think about moving. And I was going to add, is he wrong? Show me, show me what in this article is wrong. And I thought, right. you know what? I've had enough of getting killed for a week or two. because <laughs> <laughs> I don't stand for here. But Rick, I mean, I looked at him like, is he wrong? I, I don't know that he's wrong now. I get it that people are like, you don't play here anymore. Who are you to tell us? You know, well, you go go play that you left. You're, you're with the Giants now. But look, this is not the first time that Evan Longoria has brought up attendance issues with the Tampa Bay race. I mean, he, when he played here, he would occasionally, usually once a year, would drop a line about, hey, this is not this is not fun. This is not, where are people? No, no one's showing up. And he even said to Mark, he said, look, I, I probably shouldn't say this. i am probably get in trouble for saying this. Uh, but I don't know. I look back, Rick, and, uh, I should, yeah, I mean, is he wrong? Uh, certainly I mean he would those comments what, what was your reaction? I, to that? I would I say thought... I would
2: say I would say this and, I, and the Tampa Bay Times wrote a pretty good editorial about it and I think they're spot on he's playing for a franchise right now that was in the same predicament um, 25 years ago that the Rays are in now in fact the Giants you know had an agreement to possibly move to to St. Petersburg and play at sure. Tropicana Field they had a, a horrible ballpark at Candlestick Point um, Candlestick Park of course where the Giants and the 49ers played. Yeah. Um, nobody, nobody was going to that game. It was a terrible place to watch a game. It was bitterly cold in July. I remember going out there and visiting my sister and sitting in center field with a blanket for God's sakes. Um, yeah. it, it, and and that franchise was yeah. was looking to move. They couldn't get a stadium deal. They got a stadium deal. Um, it was a develop. It was a partnership with developers and the city. And now <clears throat> they have one of the premier ballpark sites in the major leagues, and they draw you know two and a half three million fans a year and all the result of a new ballpark. So uh, is Evan Longoria right? Well, I guess he is as it exists today, but how about understanding where you're playing right now and how that all came to be?
0: No, and that's a fair point. I, I would argue that, that San Francisco is a much different market than, than Tampa Bay um, in that there and it's, it's not a totally transient city, but there are a lot more people from San Francisco than, than are from, from the Tampa Bay area. I look at what Longoria said and I think a lot of that is based too, Rick on his he's been here it's never worked. It's never worked here. It's never they've never had a good offense I mean, Now they've always had played in the same stadium. I get that. But if you look at 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 the the some of the teams that Evan Longoria played on, I mean there, there was a there was a five or six year stretch where certainly the Rays were one of the top what three or four teams in baseball over that span. Yeah. Playoffs and four out of six years worldwide.
2: I think so. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, they played the World Series and and they, they got a little bump that year, but they, they still weren't playing for full class. And he mentioned it. I mean, I think part of this is, is a real personal thing for for Longoria too, because if you notice, like a couple of days later, Mark also wrote about Evan Longoria talking about what it's like now to play in San Francisco, and talked about oh how nice it is to go out and play in front of thirty thousand people. Now he wasn't he 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 wasn't directly talking about Tampa Bay at that point, but yeah. it, it was clearly a shot at Tampa Bay. Like, hey, this is what. Players like they like playing in front yeah. of a passionate fan base that comes up and shows up for games. So, um, I I think people can around here can get mad at Evan Longoria all they want, and they can say that that um you know that he doesn't play anymore. It's not his business anymore. Go go play in San Francisco. You let us worry about what's going on in Tampa Bay. But if if we think- hiring for your small business, if you're not looking
1: for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place.
0: that Evan Longoria is the only guy in in Major League Baseball, if a player or executive or otherwise, who's who's talking about this, then we're being really naive. You know these conversations are going on throughout Major League Baseball, among players, among executives, among other team owners, about, hey, is this thing going to work in Tampa Bay? And they should think about that. Evan Longoria is hardly alone in thinking this.
2: Uh, Joe Madden knew it when he went to Chicago. Evan Longoria knew it when he went to San Francisco. Um, exactly. Yeah, I mean, so. you've
0: you got the perfect analogy, Rick. Why, why is Joe Madden no longer here? Because they, they couldn't give him the, the the payroll that he wanted, and he loved the idea of playing and managing at Wrigley Field in a great ballpark with passionate fans with, you know, three million people a year coming through your gates.
2: Yeah, All good conversation. Tom Jones, that's why you read him on TampaBay.com. Whether you agree with him or not, he's a must-read. And we appreciate you joining us. Enjoy game three, Tommy.
0: All right, thanks, Rick. We'll talk to you soon.
2: Well, I don't know if I agree with Longo, but uh, his former team, the Tampa Bay Rays, they managed to win 2-1 to one in a place they never win, which is Kansas City. They, I think they were like 1-16 there until last year. They may have won a couple games late in the year. Um, it's really been a place where they've uh, sort of just had no luck at all. But they get five strong innings from Ryan Yarbrough, who started the game. He allowed just one run and had a nice, uh, really started a nice one, two, three double play to end the fifth. Good bullpen work Uh, until they got to the bottom of the ninth. And Alex Colomay gives up a triple, really on a ball that Steve Johnnyfield gambled to catch and and sort of lost out there. I mean, it's one of those, you know, you go all in and you better make sure you're going to catch it. But John Jay goes all the way around a third base. So now – Look, in, the third, in the
1: third inning, you can make that play. In the ninth yes. inning, if you're, not, if, you, if you're not 100% sure you're catching it, you've got to pull up. You have to. Sure
2: you do. Sure you do. And pitching uh, and defense definitely.
1: is supposed to be what this team's built around. And, the, and the defense includes making smart decisions in the outfield. Like I said, in the fourth inning, go ahead. Yeah. In the ninth, when you with a one-run lead, you've got to make sure it stays in front of you.
2: Their outfield without Kiermaier is suspect. I mean, look, they. I mean, whether whether you're put, you know, Denard Span doesn't really run all that well anymore. Um, you know, average at best outfielder out there. They, they tried Johnny Field tonight. Um, he's played some center field, not a whole lot of left field. Um, they just don't have a lot of good options. And then, um, you know, it, it's it's just it's sort of been it's sort of been an issue. I mean, I I, I you know. I think Gomez, who's in right, might be one of their better outfitters, to be honest with you, and I'm a little he's surprised He's probably the best times. one with Kiermaier out. Yeah, I don't know why they don't play him in center more, but Malik Smith is, you know, the Malik's, what do you call it, the Malik's adventure? Malik's effect there. <laughs> Malik's effect um, is always in effect when he's in the game. He didn't play tonight, but uh, uh, so yeah, it was, it was adventurous, and yet uh, somehow Colomay gets out of it, he gets a punch out, and then... Hadani Echevarria bobbles the ground ball, actually, for the final out, but he gets a diving Alex Gordon at first base, and that ends the game. Well,
1: Echevarria Hed- had an interesting game.
2: He really did. He well, first of all, they batted him in uh, leadoff, which was an interesting development. Something that I think he showed that he's capable of doing. Hit the ball hard a bunch of times. Ended up with a couple of hits, and it's his. You'll see this replay uh, if you watch uh, any replays at all, Major League uh, Baseball, MLB. Network or any of those, but uh, his slide at home plate, he managed to uh, get Salvador Perez to miss him three times. I mean, he runs through a stop sign at third base. So Matt no made
1: the right call, said stop, 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 and Echevarria <laughs> runs right through it. So, as much as we've we've criticized, you know, cue there at third base for for sending guys when he shouldn't or holding them when we should, right. he made the right call tonight. Echevarria just blew through it.
2: Well, he did, and he should have been out. But but that goes to show you, too, that, you know, it's not just a good throw that beats you. You have to get the tag down. And so he manages to to kind of actually kind of dodge him as much as anything and with the slide or, or kind of falling down and then reaches not once but twice with his hands, and he ends up not picking the wrong hand to try to tag. Hechevarie is safe, and so the Rays win. And they needed that one because uh, they've been scuffing along pretty good here. Um you know, and and again, the the you know the bullpen situation with, uh, you know the way this pitching has gone, you just you just have a feeling that it's going to wear them down, especially over these next uh you know thirty something games. I think they had a stretch now that they're in the middle of it's like forty forty games and forty one days or something like that. They got guys going up and down on the taxi squad, all kinds of of movement with their bullpen right now. Um, but it was a good it was encouraging for uh, Yarbrough, who I thought pitched very very well. You know, and you guys pitch count up. Probably around you know close to eighty, and um, they left him in there, and he went he went five, and then they turned it over to the bullpen. So good on him. The Rays uh, the Rays win. Maybe that's a good sign if the Lightning can follow that up with a. Well, you know, Kansas uh, City's a been a
1: house of horrors for the Rays. Washington maybe not quite as bad as Boston for the Lightning, but not a place they've had a ton of success in over recent years. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, maybe that's a, a omen for them uh, tonight uh, for Game Three of the
2: series up there. Well, they may follow suit. The other development that happened uh, yesterday was that the Supreme Court, and this is on all the news, struck down a law against sports betting. This had been in place for a long time. It comes from a case brought by the state of New Jersey. Uh, And, you know, this is going to be uh, significant, and it's going to affect all sports leagues and college sports as well. Um, You know, basically, as we know, uh, it's been estimated that uh, Americans – Illegally wager about one hundred and fifty billion billion dollars with a B on we don't talk about sports that. each year. Yeah, yeah, it's true. That doesn't happen. Um, it doesn't happen. Well, I don't. I don't know Johnny Walnuts down the street. You know, I don't have a, a bookie or anything like that. But apparently, it's it's very much illegal wagering going on out there. If you can believe that. Um, I know the NFL is uh, somewhat aware of it, um, but now you know, and, and all these leagues, by the way, had been fighting this. I mean, they were. They were on the opposite side. They want and and, and what you're going to hear right. about a million times is the word integrity. Well, Everybody talks about yeah. They're fighting it. They're the fighting it, but not really. Not hard.
1: No. No, they're fighting it because they want a cut.
2: Well, yeah. They're and, fi- and they're, they're fighting
1: fight. this decision because they don't get a cut with this decision. They were hoping but to I get think, a cut.
2: I think they'll end up negotiating one. I don't. I don't think that there's that there's any doubt that. Um, well, there could be some doubt. I mean, look, I, we'll see what the states do. But it is their product that people are going to be gambling on, and I know they're going to want their cut. What they're going to ask the federal government to do, um, because it's state to state, and, and, and each state will sort of have its own gaming rules, is that they want some kind of regulation, um, probably at the federal level, but some kind of regulation that makes it somewhat uniform in terms of, again, maintaining the integrity of the league, um, or their leagues, as the case may be. But... Already NFL owners are sort of, you know, envisioning a world where gambling is going to be part of their in-game experience for fans. I think I I heard where Mark Cuban, uh, the owner of the Dallas Mavericks, thinks that the franchise values of their teams are going to double now. Um, Because, again, they're the product that will produce all this revenue through gambling. That's what people are gambling on. Uh, And even at 1% that these teams may – are hopeful at least to, uh, you know – uh, to to share in the profits of, of you know for, through some endorsements or another or or fees um, uh, regulatory fees or what have you uh, you know they're going to see a windfall and that that's what they're counting on and for the NFL in particular you know this is a league that has um, you know sort of battled uh, the home experience versus the in stadium experience and if you just sort of what, look at uh, what happens in Europe you know with the soccer leagues and remember. You have the Glazers that own Manchester United, Shot Khan, the Jaguars' owner. Um, you know, he has Fulham. Um, so there's a lot, of, a lot of people, you know, sort of over there already that are familiar with this. Um, but it, it, wouldn't be, it wouldn't be unusual that, you know, you might have a situation where, you know, people that are actually at the game in attendance could use an app or some, some way of placing a live prop bet on certain outcomes. And uh, they, that that invests them further in, in what they're watching at the stadium. Um, you know, it's uh, you know it, it's a great it's a great sort of template what happens in Europe over there, and you can have all kinds of bets. You know that are actively happening. I I think that in time, this is going to end up being profitable for these leagues. I don't know how colleges who have already under the gun for not paying their athletes as it is, and now potentially could legally make uh, I suppose find a way of, of monetizing this as they do everything else um, so that, that's a whole other situation that uh, the NCAA will have to address uh, because I think it's uh, here's probably the when thing you're
1: not- and you and I were having this discussion earlier today too that yeah. the NFL the NBA they want this integrity fee they wanted one percent of the cut they wanted a, they wanted a legislative answer to this that basically says they kind of regulate it monitor it to make sure for integrity and that that they get one percent. Well, this was, a, this was a lawsuit brought by Chris Christie in New Jersey, the state of New Jersey, yep. that overturned, I think it's a 1982 law. I could be wrong on the date, but that mm-hmm. was really outdated and antiquated for what the world is today. And right. it's now overturned, which now says the states can legally have sports betting, all of them, not just, not just Nevada. I don't see where the teams are going to get a cut unless they're willing to give up something else. Because, quite frankly, New Jersey, which already the casinos and sports books there or the casinos and the racetracks—they're already set up for this. They could start taking bets this week. I mean, they've been prepared for this. They've been. This has been a lawsuit that's been going on since I think 2010, 11. Yeah, yeah. Um, They're all ready for. It. They were anticipating a victory. They're ready for this. They don't need to give the NFL, the NBA, or anybody a cut. They can they don't do it. Have they can to. do it themselves. And this is why the much. leagues are not happy with the decision. Is they wanted a right. legislative answer that they got that in the well, law said they get a one percent integrity. I will tell you.
2: I will tell you that they're feigning unhappiness, but they are very happy. They're not uh, unhappy I t- that gambling's happening. They just want to cut. Well, and they're going to get it. They're going to get it somehow. Look, I mean, it doesn't. It's not going to hurt. It's not going to hurt uh, the the amount of people betting if they can make that happen inside those stadiums. If they can make that happen with the blessing and endorsement yes. uh, of those sports teams. Um, you know, the, these, this is, this is just all ways of getting more people to the window that that's essentially what the States are going to want is as many people betting on sports books as they can. And any way you can promote that. And if the, if the leagues embrace it, plus, you know, I mean, you know, sports betting is only as good as the integrity of what you're betting at, right. What you're betting on. And so if you think something is fixed, it's not going to help. It's not going to help the gambling game Well, and that's, that's why
1: the NFL has, has given out injury reports for the last 30 years that. and that. And, right. You know, some of it is to help gamblers because they know it creates interest in the sport, which is the way most people view injury reports and things like that from the NFL. But the other right. part of it is, is it does help the integrity of it where if you kept all the injuries secret, trainer for this team or assistant trainer starts selling info. Hey, this player's that's hurt. Right. This player's knee's not good. That's this right. player's arm. And so, by that's publicizing right. the, the injury reports, you're you're preventing or making it harder for games to either be fixed or inside information to be given out. Mm-hmm.
2: No, all that's true, and I think that the leagues will also incur additional expense now if it does be you know since it is going to become legal in every state um, to to further enhance uh, their security and their information, their flow of information, and the following making sure that these athletes are not compromised. And that sort of thing. So I, I think that you know, again, th- there, there's an associated cost with this. Um, the league never wants to incur something by themselves. I just think that in time, it's going to work out. I I, I personally know. Uh, I will just tell you that that the scuttlebutt in the NFL is that the owners are very happy about this. Oh, absolutely, um, even, they are. Even though they don't want. I mean, the the signal to the world was we're putting a team in Las Vegas, right? Um, when the Oakland Raiders, you know, were, oh, yeah, no, no problem. Yeah, Las Vegas? Absolutely. And I know the Vegas Knights are there first, um, but that used to be, you know, used to be afraid of the guy, you know, that would walk up to, to the athlete, you know, in the limousine and, and uh, get him to throw a game. Um, so, you know, that that's no longer uh, something that they're actively, you know, worried about at least and, and willing now to put franchises in a place less like Vegas. So if you're going to have a, a football franchise in Las Vegas – doesn't matter if they gamble in New Jersey, does it?
1: Nope. No, I just want so, to know if Pete Rose gets in the Hall of Fame now, since he can just place bets at the stadium.
2: <laughs> no, because he betted against he bet against his own team. <laughs> no, man. he didn't. He betted for his team. I think he betted against his team. He
1: bet for his team, but there were games he didn't bet them. So you can kind of that's infer like that.
2: betting against them. Yes, exactly. Which games are you trying to win, and which games are you not trying as hard to win? Um, that's all part of it. But yeah, let's not do the Pete Rose show just yet. I don't. Look, Pete's the heat, hit king, but I don't have a problem. There's a lot of guys I don't think should be in the Hall of Fame that aren't, and some that I think should be and will and aren't. But I think we'll somebody see. got
1: forty-two hundred and fifty-six hits, and the hit leader deserves to be in the Hall of Fame.
2: It's not going to happen. It's a museum. He's in there. They mentioned they he's mentioned in oh, yeah. in the Hall of Fame prominently. He just doesn't have a plaque or a day. Um. So that's Pete's Pete's lot in life. Anyway, um, yeah, I, I think this is uh, this is an interesting uh, sort of development. It's going to take. I think it's going to take a while. This isn't something I think that will necessarily be enacted, you know, in the next two weeks or something like that. But you know, certain states may move faster than others. And again, they're going to expect New to, Jersey to move fast
1: because they're prepared. Well, they for will.
2: This. Yeah, they're ready for it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and they have some pretty premier teams up there in the New York, New Jersey area as well. So pretty fascinating stuff. Well, uh, busy week. Uh, busy. Day, actually, tomorrow, of course, uh, or today, I'm sorry, tonight with the Lightning in Game 3. Uh, that's going to be interesting. This is it, Steve. I think uh, going back to Tom's discussion that we just had, um, I, I think the Lightning, this is a do or die game. Obviously, fall down 3-0. Maybe you win one in New Jersey and you can battle you know, battle your way back into it in Tampa, but um, with the momentum that, I'm New, that, uh, New Jersey, I mean Washington, Washington, the momentum that Washington has, um, I, I just think that if they steamroll them again or somehow win game three and it's 3-0, uh, the Lightning's going to know their way home at that point. They're pretty, pretty much going to have zero confidence left. And whether Washington loses a game up there or not, I don't think it's going to matter. I don't see them, you know, winning, the, winning four in a row that, That's that the team. thing, is, is, you know, after yeah.
1: seeing the first two games, do you feel confident the Lightning can win four in a row? No. If you don't, then chance. you better win game three. You have or to, Or then yes. you, you've got some margin of error for, you know, that basically after that you need to win three out of four.
2: Yeah, and I would give them a puncher's chance, even if they won one of these next two games. I mean, depending on how mm-hmm. they play, um, you know, in game, what would be then game four, um, to get it back to Emily Arena, even at 3-1. You know, You've got you, two of the win, next three at home. That's at that correct. And, we, and in fact, I, I believe this is true in 2004, I want to say, um, the Lightning had to win game six in Edmonton to force a game seven uh in the stanley cup final in calgary uh, when they finally, calgary. in calgary calgary not edmonton yeah calgary mm-hmm. uh and yeah, make, marty st Louis it, overtime bring goal. It back here. double overtime yeah. goal biggest biggest goal in in lightning history so um it can be done and uh not not done often obviously but but i think um, the lightning need to play a lot better and, and, and particularly
1: defensively and 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 their forecheck was better in game two but not nearly good enough to face that team um right you know as tom said i i think you know Washington is a better team than we thought going in. Yeah, they're and I thought they were good, realize. but I didn't think they were as good as they are. And they're doing all this with Nicholas Backstrom hurt. Yeah, who's one of their starters. Well, so
2: watching some of the highlights too, man. They're just they are physically mauling. I think the Lightning too at times. I think they're you know Callahan's one of the more physical guys, and he had one or two good hits, but um, they're leaning on Kucherov. And you know. Um, Ovechkin's so big, and, and these guys are so hard to knock off the puck that it's, it's really, you know. It'll
1: be interesting if there's any lineup changes. We were talking about, you know, would they put Adam Ernie in potentially yeah. for Tony Sorelli, who has kind of been invisible this series um, for the first yeah. two games. Um, and Ernie gives you a little bigger size, a little more of that. Now, he hasn't played in a month and a half, two months. I mean, he was hurt. Uh, at the end of the season so don't know if they'll do that I mean Corey Conacher is another one if you're just looking for a spark to put in the lineup you you know I I don't know who you take out to put him in Um, but you know there might be a lineup change or two in that regard I don't see any defensive lineup changes I don't think you know Schuster or Cuckoo or Dodgen are coming in Uh, but you know you could put Adam Ernie or Corey Conacher in
2: I think you have to try something I I mean unless you just have so much confidence that they're going to play better but um and they might play better. It's just that to, to continue and think that you're gonna get a different result, maybe with the same no adjustments at all, might be a little bit lunacy, but we'll see. I, I think Cooper you might see some line asleep.
1: change. I think you might see some line changes. Right. And and he started tinkering a little bit in and in, in late in game during two. During the game. Yeah. Um and you might mm-hmm. see some for game three. Yeah.
2: Well, it's gonna be fascinating. Um listen, we're gonna be here all week. It's it's gonna be an interesting week we're gonna have during uh, during the week, access to the Bucks' coaches. And that's on Wednesday and Thursday. We're going to be talking to Mike Smith, the defensive coordinator, Tom Munkin on Thursday, the offensive coordinator, plus all the position coaches. More talk about, um, you know, the, just sort of what the rookie minicamp was about. We had a chance to uh, talk to some of their players, so we'll have sound about that. So we'll get your Bucks fix in this week. The Rays, of course, continue their series in Kansas City and their long road trip, which will eventually take them to Anaheim uh, as they try to, um, try to stay relevant, you know, and get and crawl their way back to close to 500 if they can ever get there again. So we appreciate you guys joining the, us. The lightning your...
1: have watch parties both tonight and Thursday night. Tonight's at Centro Ebor. Now they're going to shut down some streets, have lots of big screens out there. Supposed to be rain or shine event. Uh, we're getting a, a lot, lot of rain this rain week. And, and then Thursday is rain. scheduled for Curtis Hickson park at this point. Um, yeah. but that possibly could move depending on
2: weather, I think, but. I wonder if the, a lot of people come out to those watch parties down 2-0. I'm kind of curious what, what kind of turnout they would get.
1: I think the weather is going to affect it more than the down 2-0 part. Those fans are yeah. pretty loyal and they come out. But if the weather's really bad, that may affect it.
2: Yeah. So make sure you get out there. Anyway, we love the interaction. You can reach us on Twitter um, at SportsDayTV. Sports you can reach me at NFL Stroud or my email address, rstroud at com. And as always, we love for you to rate – and review this podcast. And where can you get this podcast, Steve?
1: You can get it anywhere you get your podcast, whether you're using iTunes or Google Play, maybe you use an app like Stitcher or TuneIn or iHeartRadio. Um, the, all the sound, uh, the files are on SoundCloud as well. Or you can go to tampabay.com slash sports.
2: The latest headlines are there, plus the
1: latest podcasts are always posted too.
2: Enjoy Game 3. We'll see if the Lightning can bring it back to Amelie Arena with a win tonight at Washington against the Capitals. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times for Steve Versnick.